and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty, along with my brother Brian, and tomorrow is the longest day of the year, and the cool part about that is what happens in our indeterminate soybeans. We're going to talk about late season scouting, or you could call it mid-season scouting, or if you just got them planted, maybe early season scouting. But we're going to focus on soybeans with today's program. We'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. All right, Brian, you're heading uh, around the country here just a little bit looking at some fields. What are you seeing out there in soybean fields? Are you seeing any that are that are starting to look pretty good? Well, I'm in Minnesota, and there was a lot of delayed planting in Minnesota because the weather was too wet. But you know what? Stuff actually looks pretty decent now. It's not like it got in super, super late. There's just a lot of volunteer corn out there. I I can't stress this to you enough. I mean, for all of our listeners, volunteer corn is not just an eyesore. It's absolutely a big-time yield robber as well. Try to get it taken out as quickly as you can because don't forget, too, Volunteer corn hosts corn rootworms. And if you think, oh, I'm going to beat my corn on corn rotation by putting soybeans in there, and I'll have fewer rootworms. Well, you won't if you wait until the 4th of July to kill that volunteer corn, because then the corn rootworms had all the time they needed to feed on that volunteer corn out in the field. I was, it's funny, I was talking to an agronomist and a farmer just a few minutes ago, and they said, yeah, we estimated the stand in this one field at almost 200,000 volunteer corn plants per acre. (laughs) So you think about that, that's like eight times what you would normally seed corn at. There's so much volunteer corn out there, there's no possible way that rootworms aren't going to survive another whole year in that field. I just always encourage people, hey, early June is the best time to spray volunteer corn when it's small, and then the biggest thing is you get to stop that corn rootworm that's underneath the ground feeding on those corn roots. Yeah, and it's important to dig. I always like to have a shovel with me when I'm out in field so I can see what's going on. I like looking at the root system. I like looking for nodulation at this time of year as well, just to see how we're doing. And they say the nodules that are big and along that main stem provide a lot more nitrogen than the ones that are very small and way out on the lateral roots. But still, it's good to see what you've got. If you put inoculant on, chances are you're going to see a bunch of them right up that main stem, which is where you want them. And that's one of those advantages of putting inoculant on versus saying, well, I'm sure there's going to be some because I just had beans out there, one of my last couple of crops, and I always raise beans, so there'll be plenty of natives. Yep, there will be some native inoculum out there in in many cases, uh, or bacteria to, to colonize on your root system, but adding more puts it in the right spot, gets it at a lot higher concentration, and provides a lot more nitrogen for your crop. That's why we're seeing the yield boost that we get. Uh, what are some of the other things, Brian? Bean leaf beetles, I know we're, we're hearing a lot about them in certain areas. A uh, little early for soybean aphids yet in most cases, but have you heard much else for bugs or, or other pests? Bring up bean leaf beetle, I was talking to a former seed agronomist just a little bit this morning in central Minnesota, and he said, he just asked me, are you seeing a lot of bean leaf beetles? I said, no. I mean, a lot of guys anymore are treating their beans, and that really takes care of that problem. I would say, though, we are starting to see some iron deficiency chlorosis already on some of the beans. As far as the corn goes, getting a lot of growth on corn just because the weather is really warm now. 
So things have changed completely in corn. I got a call from an agronomist this morning. He goes, okay, let me run this past you. The corn's like two feet tall now, and the guy sprayed his loudest. Well, the problem was the rain came within minutes after he got done spraying in the field. I'm like, oh, no. He said, yep. And that was a week ago. And he goes, a lot of the plants died, the smaller ones, but some of the big ones, they're still alive. And the guy wants to spray again. <laughs> and I said, well, he can, but if it's me, no way. Because if you spray an HVPD again, that means you have to go corn next year. And I said, there's no way I'd ever tell a farmer to spray like Diflex or Status this late in the season. No way. I know they have corn safeners in there, but you're going to have drift all over the country. So I'm not doing that either. And I said, I don't even trust the safeners when it's 95 degrees out and the corn's growing like it is. I, I, I'm, I'm worried you're going to have lodging problems. So, yeah, we've been getting all kinds of calls about various agronomic issues that are out there. And, I mean, a lot of things are good. A lot of things look good. But occasionally these these little issues pop up and experience is really nice. So it was funny. I talked to the, the agronomist about that, that field. And I said, if the farmer is just insistent on it, just have him go spray a few acres with the HVPD. Now he's got to go corn next year, but at least he'll know for the future. Okay. This probably wasn't the smartest thing to do because having weeds at this point, two foot tall corn, if you kill those weeds, it's not going to help your yield one single bushel, not going to help you at all for this year. It's all about future years and those weeds going to seed. And I said, we got good enough herbicides. I'm not even worried about it. I, wouldn't, I, I just I wouldn't do anything. But anyway, I, I just said, have the guy spray a few acres. He goes, well, the problem is if I tell this guy to spray a few acres, he's just going to spray it all. <laughs> so, but anyway, I just experience is, is the best teacher. And from my experience, I think you're wasting your money to spray at this point. Yeah, that's always a question, too, of when is it a good investment, when is it not? And we hear mixed responses about is it great to spray a fungicide? And I think about those benefits of a fungicide, and one of them being helping that plant with respiration and keeping that canopy a little bit cooler, even if it's only just a little bit cooler, that can make quite a difference when you, we have this kind of extreme heat. Yeah, it definitely can. Hey, uh, one last thing I was going to mention before we have to take our first break is we do have our Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event coming up this Saturday. So if you have anybody that is going to a post-secondary school this fall, just go online to agphd.com to learn more about that. We're giving away over six scholarships. Oh, sure. Brian cuts out right at that point. Yes, we're giving out over 60 scholarships that day, so it's it'll definitely be something to check out again, agphd.com, for the Scouting and Scholarships Clinic, which is coming up on this Saturday. Well, right now, one other thing you might be doing this week, getting ready for that, is out scouting your soybeans. We're going to talk about soybean scouting on today's program and take your calls and questions, too. Stay tuned. It's planting season. Race against the clock season mistakes can't happen season and no one helps you face it all like john deere putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster that makes your spacing and depth more accurate and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season see what you have to gain at johndeere.com gain ground it takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in 
And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. At AgPhD, we want to support anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free AgPhD Scouting and Scholarships event. In-field sessions include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So this is one event that you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the AgPhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Compromise is nice, if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitec fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking about soybean scouting. Now, obviously, you may not have soybeans, and you say, wait a second, if we're only talking soybeans today, I, I don't know if I'm going to listen. A lot of things we're going to talk about are going to make sense for other crops too. Even some of the products that we may get into, hey, here's this bug and here's a product and here's how you use it, that kind of thing. Uh, so so don't tune it out just because we're basing this around soybeans. You need to be out scouting no matter which crop that you're raising. And uh, I know our next guest is out scouting a lot of different crops, even in this intense heat and humidity. It's Rob Dedman down in Arkansas. Rob, how you doing? Hey, Darren. How are you today? You know, it's 100 degrees again, Rob. I don't know how you guys do it when you get this hot weather like this all summer, but it's brutal to be out there. you got to be out in the mornings and the evenings. That's about it. Uh, you've got to go all day when you're busy. I mean, it's just part of what's got to be done. It's tough. Yeah, it it's is. Real tough. It is. Okay. So we're, we're getting on in the soybean season. How big are the beans? Are they fully canopied in Arkansas yet? Yeah, so our uh, we've got beans anywhere. I'm in standing in a wheat bean field right now, a double crop field that the v, the beans are uh, V1 in, and then I've got beans that I was in earlier this morning are about V5.5 or R5.5. I'm sorry. Okay, so you got everything uh, everything and in between. Now, when you get a little bit later in the season, I, I know scouting changes quite a bit. So, with these more fully developed beans, are you still looking for things when you're you're as far as uh, uh, putting big pods on them? Yeah, so you know, I mean, in in our you know majority of our beans are R three plus. So, you know, we're we're steadily scouting for insects. We're steadily scouting for disease in those, and and, and not really having to look for a lot of escape weeds right now. You know, we've pretty well got that all under control because they're they're big, tall, waist high beans that are that are fully canopied. And our primary concern right now is going to be, uh, you know, for me right now, I'm worried more worried about uh, green and brown stink bugs, and, and then just making sure we keep the disease under control. Stink bugs are a problem that you have every year, but for us, it's a growing concern. We never used to have enough to really worry about, but we're starting to see more and more. What What do you worry about most? Is it pod feeding or is it something else? 
you know, I, I'm gonna worry about pod feeding, obviously, but you also got to worry about on beans down here. You get a high infestations of the green stink bugs, and we wind up with a lot of green bean syndrome, where where those beans will stay really green in the fall and won't want to do uh, dry down like they need to for harvest. It seems to be one of our major concerns. Sure, sure. Okay, talk to us about some of these, whether it's double crop beans or just late planted beans. Uh, in those, what are some of the things that you're looking for? That uh, I mean, obviously they got a little different challenge now that they're sticking their head out of the ground in June rather than if it was April or early May. Uh, what what types of things are a challenge now? Well, obviously, you know, weed control becomes a very challenging issue in in these double crop or late planted beans because you know it is hot uh we're getting to a lot of situations where in, inversions are common in the mornings and stuff and in the evenings and it doesn't leave a lot of time for herbicide application uh, we're we're just about to be out of that window for being able to spray uh dicamba you know on beans which is real common for us down here and and you know so Fighting the pigweed is going to be a, a battle on some of these late planted beans. You know, we're out of moisture. Uh, we don't have enough moisture to keep residuals activated on the surface. And, and you know, it's that time of year that we're, we're not going to get those rains. Yeah, yeah, it gets to be a challenge. And even when you do, they dry up awfully quick out there. Uh, you know, you yeah. mentioned a, a few things there, but the air inversion is one that I, I know farmers in Arkansas are very well aware of, especially after uh, the dicamba issues of the last few years. How, how do you avoid that? Do you have a time of day that you just say, all right, we have to wait till nine o'clock or or what? what's kind of your go-to rule of thumb? Well, I mean, really, you know, the label says, what is it, 10 to 4? It's basically your spray time, but even even some days during you know in 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 the mid south down here we can have inversions in the middle of the day. We get these old calm muggy days, and 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 we'll have inversions basically all the way through the day. So you've just basically got to 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 watch the wind and see what it's doing. Yeah, it's it's important. It was fun. We we're working with a new cameraman at our show, and and he's he's just getting fully seasoned, Rob. And one of the things was air inversions. I asked him if he'd ever seen one, and he said, "You know what? Now I know what to look for." And I I have seen inversions, and I said, "Have you felt one? Have you heard one?" I mean, there are a lot of different ways to to understand when air inversions are going on. But you're right; it, it keeps your spray where it's supposed to be instead of moving on to the next field, which is a big deal. That's right, you know, and, and the thing about inversions is you can you can have uh, products that they'll, they'll pick up and move across the field and not ever touch down on one and skip and go to another one, and it, it's so hard to track what happens when we get inversions. Yeah, and oftentimes the results aren't seen for, for days or even weeks later, and, and that makes it even more tricky to track. Uh, we're talking with Rob Dedman here down in the state of Arkansas. Rob, thank you so much. I really appreciate having you on. Good luck and stay safe. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Let's head uh, over to Southern Illinois, Southwestern Indiana. We got Phil Krieg with us right now with Syngenta. Phil, how are you doing? Doing very well. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. We're talking about scouting in soybeans, but certainly we're scouting all crops in the area. What are you seeing in your your neck of the woods right now? Right now, throughout the area I cover, we are in very uh, uh, very droughty conditions for the most part. Uh, we're pretty dry, uh, seeing a lot of nutrient deficiencies showing up on corn, uh, just because, uh, you know, every day we're kind of wrapping, uh, that corn up because of the uh, lack of moisture 
And of course, uh, our nutrients move on water, and if we don't have good water in the soil, we're we're seeing those nutrient deficiencies, especially sulfur, showing up right now. Uh, soybeans are moving along slowly. Uh, we're in that anywhere from emergence to second to third trifoliate stage. So in some areas, we're starting that first round of post-emergent treatments. You know, one of the things that we're seeing in our area, we, we're coming out of two years of drought. We we got some rain, but we can always use some more. And we've got a lot of volunteer corn out there. Do you guys have that challenge too this year? We do in spots. Um, it's kind of surprising. There are some folks that haven't uh, seen volunteer corn in quite a few years um, that are outside of those areas that we, we see it every year. Uh, the northern part of the area I cover, we see it a little bit more commonly. We see uh, a little more pressure up there uh, because of, of uh, the speed of which everything happens. Uh, but down here in southern Illinois, we did have some late winds last year, and we are seeing some volunteer corn. And in soybeans, it does pose a little bit of a uh, problem because we have to think about our post-emergent application we're going to make on soybeans. And it's not as simple as just adding in a group one herbicide like a clethodim type product or something like that the way we've done it in the past because uh, uh, our group one products are antagonized on the plant by the oxen type products like dicamba or 240. So it takes a little bit of special uh, special mixing to get a, a, um, uh, a tank mix that will work good on volunteer corn and soybeans if you're using an oxen based program. No doubt about it. There's antagonism there. Guys here are increasing the rate by a third or even 50%. Uh, and as the corn gets taller, we've had a few guys already that it's gotten away from them, gotten bigger than 12 inches. They've got to increase it as much as the label will allow to get that under control and use all the right additives and all that too. So lots of challenges. I wanted to ask you real quick though, Phil, on disease control, what are you seeing over there? I know on soybeans, a lot of times guys like to wait till we hit the reproductive stages, but are you seeing any results spraying any earlier? We really have not seen very much results on soybeans by spraying earlier. Uh, we're looking at our sweet spot yet in that anywhere from uh, our R2 and R3 stage has given us the most repeatable data. That's where we pick up our 6 to 8 bushel per acre yield advantage sure. year on year. R1 and R4, sometimes they, those still happen. They are not, they don't give us quite the same return on investment. Yeah, there's there's we'll a ton of sweet spot in R2. There's a ton of R2, R3 data supporting exactly what you say, Phil. It's been a great time if you're making one pass of fungicide and soybeans. Uh, Phil Craig with Syngenta. Thank you so much, Phil. We really appreciate having you on. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. 
Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman, when there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Oh, to be a soybean specialist in the state of Mississippi this year when they've got tons and tons of beans that went in the ground. Sounds like it's going to be a pretty busy job for our next guest, Trent Irby with Mississippi State. Trent, how you doing? Hey, man, doing just fine. How about yourself? Well, pretty good. I hear uh, growers in your state are taking advantage of these good prices, getting a lot of soybean acres in. We have a lot of them in the ground this year. It's the, at least the most in my career. It's not a state record, but we, we have as many acres as we've had in the decade that I've been doing this. That's awesome. Okay. So how do they? How are they looking? Are you having a good year? Pretty pretty good, really. Uh, we, we had a... a you know, above average planting season, I would say. We we had some uh, a fair number of acres that got planted in our early window where we'd like to see them get planted and uh, not too many difficulties with flooding and, and, and cold, wet conditions, you know, that, that inhibit our stands. So for the most part, things got off to a, a respectable start. But I tell you what, it's gotten hot here lately. 
<laughs> yeah, it's been hot up here, so I can only imagine what the <laughs> heat index is where you're at. Uh, well, I, a few years back, I got a chance to go down to Mississippi State's bug camp with my son, and, and that was fun. But my goodness, you guys have a lot of insect pests and, and challenges there. It seems like, oh, it'd be easy with your climate to raise beans, but you got a lot of challenges out there in the field. What are some of the bigger ones this year? Well, at this point in the growing season, you know, we're, we're kind of looking towards that reproductive management scheme. So for us, it's, it's insect and disease management. And, uh, of course, with the current climate of, of weather conditions, irrigation is our, our number one thing on the minds of those that have irrigation capabilities in the field. Sure, sure, yeah, keeping up, uh, well, especially at this critical stage to, to get enough soybean or enough moisture for these soybeans to make good beans. What are some of the things you've seen? I know you do a lot of research there. What what has been really helping, guys, once you get in these R stages, like you say, taking care of diseases, insects? Are you spraying fungicides every two or three weeks? What what kind of strategies are guys using? For the most part, from a, from a disease management standpoint, a lot of our growers have adopted uh, – automatic fungicide applications, I guess you could call them, making a preventative type application at R3 or R4, uh, you know, prior to really trying to get it out there before any substantial uh, infestation occurs. And, and that's, you know, has been successful in, in a lot of cases. It's not always uh, improving yield, but, but in, a, in a lot of situations, it, it does provide a, a yield benefit and offer some degree of protection there. Well, I was really impressed. I've been through Mississippi a number of times. There, there's some fantastic ground and, and some really good farmers there, too. The fertility management was something that really interested me. I know there are some growers that, that take that pretty serious. Uh, do you see nitrogen late in the air on some of these big yielding fields, or, or what are some of the fertility things guys are doing? Well, you know, really potash potassium is our 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 big one that we see deficiencies in uh and, and i guess that's just just because of our rotations and and we have been blessed in the last few years with some pretty positive yields so you know we're removing a lot more of it as far as nitrogen and soybeans you know, we we've tried some supplemental nitrogen things and, and it's just it's kind of hit and miss i guess we don't have a lot of success uh in those situations where we're not having deficiencies but uh, we we do still have several situations, especially years like this, where prices are high, and, and we put some soybeans on some land that hadn't had soybeans in it ever, you know, or or in a long time, and and we'll we'll definitely come up with some nitrogen deficiencies and have to make some applications to correct that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's important to kind of figure out what you need. And like you say, there have been some really high yields, and there there's some farmers just knocking it out of the park there with a number of different crops. So the soybeans need to be fertilized, too. We're talking with Trent Derby with Mississippi State University. Well, Trent, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. We'd love to have you back again sometime. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's at a little bit further north than Trent, way up to North Dakota. We've got Eric Mares on with us right now. Uh, Eric, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Darren? Not too bad. All right, so Trent says it's unbearably hot down there, but, man, it's been pretty hot in North Dakota, too. Yeah, we're having uh, 4th of July the last few, last couple of days with uh, mid to upper 90s and uh, only getting down into the 75 to 80 at night. 
Yeah, those warm nights are something that is really unusual in the Dakotas. The, I mean, the hot during the day, yeah, we get some of that in the summer, but but those warm nights are a little bit different. What are you seeing out in the fields? I, I would think you kind of needed some of the heat to dry things out a little bit. Yeah, we do need the heat. We had a challenging spring this year, this this spring with uh, with just you know so much moisture we had, and a lot of guys are only fifty to sixty, seventy percent planted and. And uh, <clears throat> the top inch or so was good to work with, but below that it was just uh, just muck. And and uh, now now the soils are really turned hard. We haven't had rain for probably ten to fourteen days, and and uh, there's a chance today, but uh, everything just turned so hard, and so we've seen some crusting problems. Yeah, we're seeing a little bit of that here too. That that heat and the wind has just kind of dried things out. But I don't know why the pigweed and lamb's quarter seem to be coming through it just fine. Maybe doing even a little bit better than our soybeans. How about up there? Yeah, there's plenty of plenty of emerging weeds after even on the strip till. I guess the stuff we've had strip till, we've seen lots of weeds coming, and usually that we don't see as many with less disturbance, but. Um, guys have had to work some strip till fields this year. The heavy rains we had early on really washed the trenches and, and had to do some vertical tillage on that just to make a somewhat decent seed bed to plant into. But yeah, there's definitely lots of weeds coming. So one of the questions uh, around all the rains we got, so for any of our listeners who who didn't really follow what was happening up in North Dakota this year for weather, it was a monsoon there for a while, and a lot of growers still haven't gotten things planted. It's It's been a real challenge, no fun at all, lots of flooding, those kinds of things. Uh, how about pre-emerge herbicides, Eric? I know you've always been big on trying to get something out there pre. Uh, were guys in your area able to do that to a large degree this year? Yeah, there was still the big thing has been focusing on the soybeans. Obviously, with with uh, we can still use Spartan. We're outside of the valley where we don't have to worry about Spartan carrying over to sugar beets. But um, the I would say eighty to ninety percent of the acres, um, well, maybe not quite that much. Seven, sixty to seventy percent of the acres still got a pre, even though um, some guys are switching. You know, to the extend flex. I'd say sixty to seventy percent still got a pre. Yeah, it's, it's super important with uh, just the struggle we're getting to get stuff canopied. I mean, our biggest beans, we got a long ways to go. I would imagine you do in North Dakota as well. But sometimes, like you say, you'll have other strategies. Maybe it's narrow rows or maybe it's strip till, whatever, to try to keep the weeds down. Uh, what are you seeing? You got a ways to go here before canopy. Is it spraying time right now for these weeds? Yeah, like the first beans that got in, there's a narrow window there. The first beans that got in are in that second and third trifoliate stage that are in, you know, like the 15th to 20th of May. That's kind of the earliest guys got in, and those are second to third trifoliates. Most everything else got slammed in or pushed in in, a, in about a 10-day window, and they're in the unifoliate to maybe first trifoliate. And and uh, guys are a lot of guys are going out with a generic dual uh, roundup now hoping to you know catch a rain to get some residual out of that now you got other things up there too wheat and and other crops what are you seeing in the other crops in your area anything looking good yeah i mean the corn is really taking off here as far as getting to that knee high by the fourth of july i mean i think we'll make it on the majority of it that got planted planted on time i mean there's just less corn acres overall um the wheat looks good Wheat's going to need a rain here um, after getting sprayed. 
and uh, sunflowers too. They look good. There's been a few more acres of those this year. Yeah, the sunflowers are going to be needed this year with what's happening over in Ukraine and all those acres that that were lost. It's it's going to be a profitable crop. Well, actually, all those crops, if if a guy can get them harvested, are going to be pretty pretty nice this year. It's kind of that's a fun thing too about North Dakota growers are willing to raise lots of different things, whatever's needed, and and going to make them money. And uh, happy to talk with Eric up there today about what's going on in soybeans and other crops. Eric, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Good luck to you guys. Yeah, you too, Darren. Talking about mid or late season scouting in soybeans on today's program. And uh, as you just heard, there's some beans that just got in the ground. So early season scouting as well. And we're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Maximum application flexibility. Maximum yields at harvest, whether or not. Relentless is the kind of control you'll always get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Low use rate Anthem Max Herbicide protects corn and soybean crops from the toughest broadleaf weeds and grasses, including water hemp, palmer pigweed, foxtails, crabgrass, and more. Dual modes of action and lasting overlapping residuals also help you minimize resistance in your fields. It's easy to tank mix formulation and wide application window make Anthem Max Herbicide the crop protection choice that's ready when you are. Rain or shine. Weather or not, relentless. That's Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zeopro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit mybayerplus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin Studio. We're talking about scouting in soybeans, but also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Kevin on with us now over in New Jersey, who had emailed in last week, and and I want to talk a little bit more about that. Kevin, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? You know, we're doing pretty well here. We're a little bit warm, but we needed some heat, so I guess we better not complain. Yeah, it's a little warm here, too, and uh, it's drying out a bit, so which probably isn't a bad thing. Let the uh, roots get down a little farther because we've had quite a decent growing season so far. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so what uh, what do you got for questions, or what did you want to chat about today? So the, the soybeans... Um, I sent that in last week, and since then, scouted some more spots and realized uh, mainly what a bigger problem was, was the pH in the soil with, uh, we're assuming, the metributin. Okay, sure, sure. You got some high uh, pH spots? There's a couple uh, low. Oh, okay. Uh, So, at least that's what I was told. Um, It's... And, like, the program that I had sent you guys, which we were talking about, was the, the Acuron, the half-rate Acuron, and then followed by Halix GT. And in the areas where it's real bad, uh, that program, it was just Roundup and Status Post rather than Halix. Okay. So we're looking at it, and it seems to be, it's, it's real spotty. Like, there's just blotches of beans that are, there's some spots that they're, they're more or less dead, and other spots where they're beautiful. So me and a, the agronomist were out and scouted everything, and it seems like uh, he, he decided it had to be pH, which we put, it was, I think, two and a half ton of lime down over the winter, but it just hasn't really taken effect yet. So, Sure, sure. Yeah, it takes a little bit of time to get that all, and they say it generally plays out over about three years, depending on the source. Um, you know, the metribuzin, though, is more active in high pH soils than it is low. So if you're seeing a disadvantage in the low pH areas, I have a hard time believing that that's due to the metribuzin. Okay. This is only the second year that I or we have ever used it. Okay. So it's it's fairly new to us. The Acuron, this is, I think, the fifth or sixth year that we've been using that. And sure, It's sure. always worked really well for us, but we had to start cutting the rate on it because we have some weeds like cucumber and horse nettle and that that will come in later on. And we kind of wanted the cucumber to come in a little earlier so that we could get it post without the corn being too tall or gotcha. the beans being too tall. Gotcha. So it's uh, trying, to, trying to do things on two passes rather than three because timing just is hard. You know, we're, we're scattered across a pretty big area with real small fields, so it's, it's not that efficient for the spray rig to bounce around from place to place i mean 200 acres in a day for me in the spray rig is a pretty good day yep yep i believe it yeah the cucumber is oh my goodness that's a tough challenge too and that thing can come up so late i i understand your pain on that one we don't have that yet on our farm i'm sure we will someday but uh just talking to farmers all over that do it's it seems to be a nightmare especially in lower areas uh, especially if there's any kind of disadvantage for the crop like uh, if if it's waterlogged or anything like that, it seems like that cucumber outcompetes it even better. The the cucumber will outcompete it and will come up over the top of the canopy no matter where it is, what season, 
it, it, if we could make a crop out of it, <laughs> it would be awesome. Yes, that one and pigweed. <laughs> but if we, we can't. Can. <laughs> yes, yes. There has to be a positive use. But, uh, and you know what? A future generation is going to figure it out, Kevin, and they're going to say, oh, those guys spent so much effort trying to kill this stuff, and now we're actually making money out of it. I hope I'm long gone before that happens because I don't want to see it. <laughs> I don't want to um, see it either. Uh, I pulled a, I actually pulled a cucumber plant out of the ground the other day, a real small one, and noticed that its hypocotyl was like nine inches long before it got down to the root. So from the leaves to the, the base of this thing on the root was almost nine inches long. Wow. That it was in the ground. Wow. So I'm kind of, now I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm kind of wondering, you know, we're in a tillage situation. If we're stirring that soil up with tillage and you have some of those seeds that are an inch deep, some of them that are nine inches deep, and they're willing to grow that far out of the ground, I'm assuming that's why we have different flushes of them through the season. You're right. They probably you're, all yep. germinate, get going at the same time, but it doesn't, it takes some of them much longer to come out than the others. So I was, I saw that and I went, oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that explains that's a, that. That's a great observation. And then you think about what that soil temperature had to be about nine inches deep. It took a lot longer for it to warm up. So, yeah, it probably was a, a late germinator too, just because that soil temp was so much cooler. So it took until a little later in the season for it to warm up. You know, that is interesting because we do see some of those large seeded weeds that can come from really deep in the soil. You, you're right. We may be better off no till in that situation that, okay, at least all the seeds up here we're going to come in a flush and we can hit it yep we uh we planned on doing a lot more no-till this year but the spring was so it was wet it was uh we had a, a wet sp early spring you know that early april to mid-april we had some rains the soil was wet so we decided to do some minimal tillage and get things stirred up so we could get the ground to warm up and start planting and it so far it worked to our advantage because there's a couple spots that we were able to no-till that dried out but the that crop's a little bit behind. It's not bad by any means, but it's a little behind the other stuff. You know, in, in your part of the world, it's the growing season is just a little bit different than it is uh, in the center of North America here. And you've got, got some opportunities with double crop and different things. Uh, what What's the game plan for this year? I mean, obviously, we got some crazy markets going on out there. we got crazy high fertilizer prices. we got, uh, you know, good commodity prices, lots of opportunities there. What What are you guys thinking about this, and what's the game plan here the rest of the season? Um, pretty much when the wheat comes off, I'll let you know what we're going to do. It's, it, there's not really a, I mean, you can plan, you can sort of, you make a plan and if it works out, it works out. Sometimes we can double crop beans behind wheat. Other times you can't. All depends on what the rain is doing, what the, you know, if, if we're droughting through July, there's, and there's no moisture for the beans to germinate, it's not really much sense to putting them in. And then if they do grow, the deer are just going to eat them anyway. So other like last year we had a pretty good a good couple rains right after the wheat came off and we were able to get some double crops in and it was actually there was one spot that was phenomenal we got almost 40 bushel beans off of a off a double crop and that would made us really happy but um it's kind of a we we have hay to make at the same time so it's you make the plan and hope that you can pull through with it but if you can't you can't yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. You got plenty of work anyway. Uh, this is a yeah. bonus if the weather's right, and and if it's not, it's just not. Yeah, it's no fun raising uh, fifteen or twenty bushel double crop beans, but man, if you can get forty at today's prices, that'd be a home run.
Oh, that would be that'd be fantastic. So far, this year has been good. You know, the, the vast majority of the crop looks really good, and it's rocking and rolling. We've been we've been fortunate enough for that that we've started putting a little extra. You know, we're putting some foliar fertilizers out and fungicides on corn, and pretty soon we'll be doing that on the beans. And hopefully we can ride it out to the end and have a good harvest. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, Kevin, good talking to you today. Thanks for sending in the questions via email too. It's kind of nice to be able to look at look at stuff like that and and then chat about it. But it's even better when we get to talk to you in person and and kind of go through stuff. So really appreciate the call today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it too. You bet. Thanks, Kevin. Good luck to you here the rest of the growing season. You too. Yeah, we got a little ways to go yet, but it's kind of nice when you get off to a good start. That really helps on things. Um, had a question come in, too. This one is from MT. Janelle, if you want to hit the mailbag music, Brian always likes hearing that. It's the mailbag! I think we might have Brian back, too, uh, just in time. we got about 40 seconds here, Brian. But MT said, verdict. Talk to us about that. You always suggest that in your Weed of the Week. Uh, when can I use it? Can I use it immediately after planting, or should I use it early as a pre? Do you like it tilled in or laid on top? All of the above. The main thing is that none of your crop is up. It can be used in no-till or conventional till. We like it because it's good for grass, good for broadleaf, and it's a different mode of action than people are used to using in corn because that sharpen in there is a PPO. Yeah, great burn down on broadleaf weeds. Doesn't have burn down on grasses per se, but it's got really good soil residual on the grasses. So kind of a nice product that, that covers a lot of bases for us. Hey, thanks for the question, MT. We'll get back with more of your calls and questions right after this. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash howler to learn more. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com.
Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We've reached the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your calls and questions throughout the rest of the show, as well as your emails. Emails can be sent in radio at agphd.com, and our phone lines are open at 844-442-4743. That's 844-44-AG-PHD. All right, uh, next question. We we had this question come in last week, and I think surprised Brian with foxtail millet question and he's like oh man uh why don't you ask that again uh, on our next well, show so I'm gonna I'm gonna do that now are you ready for it go ahead it's from Brandon he said what would be your recommendation for a weed control program growing foxtail millet for hay in western Nebraska or South Dakota the problem with foxtail millet is it's very much like the foxtail grasses that we deal with yellow green giant and so on which means there aren't a lot of herbicides that you can use no grass herbicide the only thing you've got is 2,4-D amine and starane that i know of so that's not a real wide spectrum but at least it's something so those are the only two herbicides i know of different millets by the way do allow other herbicides to be used not lots but some but with foxtail millet, those are the only two I know of, 2,4-D amine and starine. All right. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that, Brandon. Uh, Brian, we had some soil tests come in from Darren over in Iowa. Did you get a chance to look at those? Sent, I doubt it. He had sent some tests in mainly for nitrate. <laughs> Brian's driving down the road, so I'm not going to. Well, we, yeah, well, we, I mean, we've talked about his question before, so but I didn't see what his soil test said. Well, so it, we were talking we we're, the soil? Yeah, we were talking about where the nitrogen's at and the depth, and he had pulled zero to six inch samples with complete nutrient. He did complete nutrient analysis on the whole works. Uh, and he had, I'd say, uh, an average of 150 pounds in the top six inches, and then an average oh, of another 70, 80 pounds in the next six inches down. And oh, wow. he didn't test any deeper Plus, than 12 inches. Know. Right. So that's pretty good. You already have 200 and some. And if I remember right from his question last week, he was going for 240 bushel corn. So he should be in really good shape because on top of that, didn't he have 4% organic matter? So we can figure probably another 80 pounds is going to come available. Correct. So if that's the case, 
We're talking about probably 300 total pounds of nitrogen by the time the season's said and done. I'd, I'd be good with that. Yeah, That's more than enough. He's in good shape on end. Now, here's the question. Uh, boron parts per million are around a half a part per million, and sulfur is only at 10 to 16 parts per million. If Ooh. if you're going to do anything, would you suggest adding some more boron and sulfur out to that crop? Yeah. I would definitely the sulfur. That's, I mean, you can get some sulfur out of your organic matter. 4% organic matter, we're going to figure another 8 to 12 pounds there. So, I mean, we're going to get fairly close, but you're probably still going to be short. So if it's me, what I consider doing, and you could do something like an ammonium thiosulfate or an access or one of those kind of products. It's got a whole bunch of sulfur and only a little bit of nitrogen. So you could do that if you wanted to get some kind of sulfur product out there. And as far as the boron, I mean, I'd at least try some boron. That might be enough, but we don't really know for sure. So I, I would say if I was going to try anything, it would be those two nutrients because, yeah, on the nitrogen side, I mean, we look real good on nitrogen now. All right. Thanks for the question, Darren. We appreciate it. This is interesting. So we have a question from Darren that comes in from Iowa. Again, now we get a question from Brian, and Brian doesn't say what state he's in, uh, but he said, you guys talk about your field day starting early in the day, but I don't see times on your website. How early is early, and why do you start early for your field day? We start at 7 a.m., and the reason why we start so early is because we want to beat the heat. The mornings in South Dakota are typically, not always, but typically at that time of the year, very beautiful. And a lot of people just don't like walking around in the middle of the afternoon when it's 85 degrees out. I mean, I like it when it's 85, but most people don't. So we like to start early because ours is different. Our event's different than a normal farm show. I mean, we're going to be in the field, and you're going to you're going to see research plots. And granted, we have indoor things too. We got indoor air conditioned facilities also, but we like being out in the field a lot. And so it's just nice when you can get an early start to things. But we're done at four o'clock too, and also it's a one day event. For a lot of other farm shows, they go three days or seven days or ten days. Ours is a one day event that allows us to get some great farmers from around the country in as speakers and then also our all of our workers for the field day have tremendous energy if it's just a one-day thing <laughs> so it'll be a great show and we'd love to have anybody that's listening we'd love to have you join us if you can the last thursday in july every year so thursday july 28th it's the free ag phd field day right on our farm near baltic south dakota all right. Thanks for the question. Got another Brian who sent in a question. This Brian is from Texas. He said, uh, our applicator made a mistake applying Callisto on our farm. Uh, we intended to put 1.5 ounces on pre-emerge for our sorghum. Instead, they put on 1.5 pints of Callisto. Of course, we now have a mess as the sorghum is bleached uh, and uh, running out of energy out there. Now, the applicator wants to make things right with us, of course. Uh, but my question is, is there a cover crop that can tolerate that much Callisto so I can keep my soil from blowing this winter? I think wheat is out of the question. My agronomist said to do a germ test to even see if corn could be put in next year. Yeah, this is a big deal, but we're hoping we can find something that will grow in the field. 
yeah, corn next year, I would, I, I would grow that. I, I think you're going to be fine with corn next year, but you got to stay with corn for at least two or three more years. And as far as cover crop, I don't know. I mean, why don't well, you how about, let the sorghum continue to grow? How about this, Brian? How about LLGT27 soybeans? Yep, great idea. That might be your option there, Brian. Uh, so there yep. is a, a trait. Now, yep. I know the extend and extend flex and the enlist trait, they get a lot of attention as far as soybeans go. But but if you could find a seed supplier with uh, LLGT27 beans, that's liberty tolerant, glyphosate tolerant, and also tolerant to group 27 herbicides. Now, I know it's not may not specifically be labeled for spraying Callisto on, and you might be taking a chance putting some in the ground there, but uh, you, yep. you could try some LLGT27 soybeans. That'd be the probably the most tolerant crop I can think of for, for that kind of issue out there. Right, because let's face it, at this point, everything is off-label. There's nothing that's approved to go into 24 ounces of Callisto. But, I, yeah, I think that's a great idea. So, I mean, it's not too late. It's only June 20th today. You could plant soybeans today in there if you didn't like how the sorghum's looking. And for next year, I'd feel comfortable planting corn. You could go back to LLGT 27 beans again if you wanted to. Yeah, it might be a good option. And I bet your applicator would probably even buy them for you. So that might not be a and bad I, way to I, do it, too. And I bet the weed control is going to be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. At least you have decent weed control out of the deal. Uh, all right, thanks for the question. Sorry that that happened to you, Brian, but uh, but appreciate the, you sending in the question. I got this one in from Jason, and he said, Guys, I have a backpack sprayer, and I've got about a six-acre pasture that I'm going to try and spray on my own. I'm going to spot spray for some thistles. I'm thinking about using Milestone. Wondering what you think about me using Milestone through a backpack sprayer. And also, if I'm going to use Milestone, uh, how would I mix that up? How much would I put in a gallon? Okay, so I don't have a big problem with it going in the backpack sprayer. I assume that's on the label, but double-check the label just to make sure. So we're assuming that it's on the label. All right, I, and 7 ounces is the rate you want to use on a per-acre basis. So... That's kind of the problem is we don't know how much you're going to cover in this. And I'm assuming the backpack sprayer, let's call it four gallons. So if you say it's four gallons and you want to throw some in, how much would I put in there? I'd probably figure half. I'd, I'd probably figure three ounces a milestone roughly. What do you think, Darren? Yeah, I normally I'd figure like I was going to spray uh, – <laughs> Yeah, I, I always go a little bit on the strong side, especially when you're just spot spraying. The milestone's not super hard on the grass. You just want to make sure you're getting enough to completely kill those thistles out. Uh, so, yeah, that's probably a good guess as to where to start. And thanks for the question. We do appreciate that, Jason. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.